Alrighty, good evening, everybody, and welcome to a early, uh, an early episode of Game Sense uh, this week. We're doing it on Monday because all of our Pacific Northwest friends are going to their district championship in just a couple of days. Uh, so thank you for watching us a couple of days early. So first off, we want to thank our sponsor, Symbotic. Uh, Symbotic is a warehouse automation company based out of Wilmington, Massachusetts. They've been a great sponsor to us. To learn more about them, go to Symbotic.com. So first, I'd like to introduce our hosts today. To my uh, right, we have Ty Tremblay. Hey, guys. Joining us once again for the first time in a, a, probably a year or more is Stephanie Morrison, out from behind the camera. Welcome back. Also, we have Ruth Toomey. And our special guest this week is Greg Nadell. Greg, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, everybody. Um, I don't know. This is my 15th year and first. I'm, a, I'm currently mentoring Team 2848. I've mentored a bunch of teams around the country, and I don't know. I'm still having fun. Awesome. Can't, you can't complain about that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So uh, thank you for being on the show, as always. Um, before we go too much into the show, though, I want to let everybody know that we're going to do a Q&A uh, after the show with everybody here. So if you have questions for us, just if you're on Twitch, if you're watching on Twitch, just type it into the chat, type exclamation point Q, then your question, and our chat bot will pull it in and send it to us. And if we like it, we'll answer it live on the show. Also, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and we hope that you don't either. Have fun, and if you don't like what we said, go out there and prove us wrong. This week on the show, we're going to go over the biggest little show in first, the Waterloo Regional, as well as how the game is going to change or be changed as we start the district championship and championship season. But first, let's go around the horn and see one thing that each of us saw this week at competition. Greg, what are your observations from week five? Yep. Stronghold is all about playing defense. And if you want to win and you maybe don't have the best shooter out there, you can play defense and win. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to see. Um, actually, I think it was both district events up here in New England were just flat-out shootouts. It was just all three teams gunning for it <clears throat> and trying to score as many points as they possibly could. And, you know, when they're when these games are being decided by five, ten points, you wonder, you know, what could have what could a little defense have done? Yeah, absolutely. So, did you see anything else from this week, Ty? Oh, hey, look, I'm next, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, seriously, after watching Waterloo and watching the Week Five events and watching these teams that are out there for almost their definite second time around and they've really dialed it in this is in the running for my favorite frc game ever it is an absolute blast to watch legit i like it too all right ruth what, what did you see this week uh you know i think a lot of people are starting to get into uh go bigger go home mode and there are going to be a lot of teams and a lot of robots where we haven't even seen their final form yet uh there are going to be a lot of surprises i think rolling out this week and uh between the regionals and the districts that are left and the district champs we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of new additions this week i think sweet all right well what i saw this weekend is that iri is going to be absolutely sick nasty i know it's kind of early to be thinking about that uh but i can't wait to see an event where you can have an alliance of three extremely extremely uh good teams i think that's going to be a sight to behold just like it was in 2007 and 2006 and other years too steph what was your uh sight from this weekend i saw more red cards and i saw my womp first womp. red card 
announcing more going forward, but I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of them things, unfortunately. But All right, so let's get started with our first topic of the night. Uh, this has got to be like the thing that everybody in first is talking about, which is, of course, the Waterloo Regional. So for those of you who don't know what happened exactly, uh, it was the Waterloo Regional, I would have to say, is probably the most competitive regional this year, I would say, so far at least. And if not that, it's probably the one of the most competitive regionals we've ever seen in first. What do you guys have to say about that? I mean, I, I agree. I think that uh, when you get a really great, um, a really hot pack of teams that are all going there, especially at a small event where you see a lot of interplay of the best teams. I mean, what was it? 148 and Simbots played each other or with each other four times during the qualification rounds. I mean, you see a lot of action in the quals between a lot of good teams, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to be fun and exciting the whole way through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something that I went to the inaugural Waterloo Regional back in 2005, and they had 27 teams. And I thought, oh, maybe they just need to grow the area a little bit more. Uh, but they've maxed it out at 30, which is incredibly small for any first event. And yet it's probably, like you were saying, and I was thinking, the most competitive event I've seen in a long time. What does everyone else have to think? <clears throat> Sorry, I had something <laughs> caught in my throat. <laughs> um, I, just, I just think it's really crazy... You know, you, you think about when you think about robotics, you think about, you know, Boston and you think about Silicon Valley. But in first, when you think about the best robotics, you think about Silicon Valley still, but you think about Canada, too. And I really think that that's that's really awesome how Canada is really supported first and why I think that's a major reason why this is so competitive is because all these teams have gotten this great support and now they're all playing in their home region, which is you know, it's kind of rude to say that Canada is a home region when it's that massive, but you get the idea. <laughs> I think maybe Ontario would be a little bit more, a little bit more uh, <laughs> contained, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's actually it's interesting. Maybe Greg, you you work with the 148 guys a little bit more. What was the rationale? Do you know? Have you heard from them why they wanted to go up to Waterloo? Well, I mean, I I used to be on 148. You know, we we're kind of uh, local rivals at this point, but uh, you know. 148's mentality, and, and I think a lot of teams, you know, it's, 118 has the same thing, and you know, we want to, we all want to play with the best, right? You know, and so it's there's one thing about there, there are definitely teams that roll into parts of the country where they think the regional is a little weaker, where they can like take a mid-level robot and come home with a blue banner. But there are there are teams um, that want to go and they want to play with the best every single year, and they want that competition. And some of it's just to prepare for champs, right? Like, you know. A lot of teams, and, and, you know, my team, you know, we're not nearly as decorated as 148, but it's, we still kind of have that same mentality where when we go to the championship, we want to try to win the world championship. I mean, everybody goes in with that mentality. Yeah. So you can go and get a blue banner at some event that I'm not going to insult, you know, but, uh, <laughs> clever. Or, or you can, or you can go and play against the toughest teams in the country and, actually know what it's going to be like in the heat of the battle. And if you can go in and come out a winner in there, then you can play with anybody else in the world. And if you go and you, you know, fall down, well, then you go back to your shop and you keep working. And when it's time for real, when it's time for champs, you're a little bit better. Yeah. That's something I, I noticed, especially, I think it sort of started with, uh, with like 254 going over there. 
is that these all these really good teams going up to the Canada area because for one reason or another it appears that eleven fourteen and twenty fifty six don't travel out of Canada except for the championship and IRI. So the only way you're going to be able to play against the best is to go up and meet them, basically. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now I got to say, this all being said, I think SVR is going to be a, a, quite a show this weekend too. But we'll we'll talk about that I think later on in the show. Um, <laughs> let's move on to sort of our next bit of of talk, still on the Waterloo topic here is the match play we saw in the eliminations of Waterloo was outstanding, especially from the 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 three the top three alliances at the event. So the question is, what is this does this look like Einstein? Does this does this are these the kind of plays we're gonna see on Einstein? Is it gonna be better? Is it gonna be worse? Steph, I want I want to hear what you have to say about that. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not rolling my eyes. I know, I know. I think it's similar. I think it's a step along the evolution, the the path that we're that we're gonna see. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I think we'll see. I don't know. I think we'll see another evolution for sure. I'm just not sure what that is. Ooh. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. I really, really hope we don't see on Einstein is that is that finals one match where where you've got this epic clash of four titans and then. One of them is unfortunately dead on the field, and I really, really hope it doesn't happen on Einstein. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate that eleven that uh, eleven fourteen had this issue that they had and weren't able to 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 do it. But um, I got to say, I think that I think that uh, the the what we've seen at Waterloo, especially now that we've seen other teams from outside of Canada go up there and sort of the Canadian teams rise up to the challenge, is that there are tons of teams that event that are playing at a very, very high level. The only thing is that they're, they don't seem to have that, that next year below them of teams that are sort of able to support a lot of these alliances, especially mostly because Waterloo is such a small event. Yeah. I mean, I, so to chime in on this one, I think that what you saw at Waterloo is not going to happen at championship. I think that, I, I this is where I think defense is going to come into play here. I mean, if you look at the Waterloo finals, and um, those teams will have to forgive me. I don't know who the the, the third picks on both sides were, but um, they they were playing defense, and they were doing it in a not so effective way. Um, you know, one of them the the interesting thing I saw on that was the uh, Blue Alliance uh, third robot was actually playing the neutral zone defense. They never even stepped foot in the red courtyard, and then. Um, you know the other one, yeah. It's they're chasing around the robots head to head, but they weren't stopping that many shots. Yeah, and so you get these high scores, but you basically had two of the top tier teams on both sides shooting at will. And so at championship, where you have thirty teams in a division that were fairly successful, winners, alliance captains, finalists, and your third robot defender is going to be someone who was taking it to the hole at their regional event. I don't think you put up those those num those types of scores. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely with Greg on this. I think that we're gonna Einstein is gonna be a lot bigger and a lot smaller in terms of scores when we get there. Um, we're gonna see a lot of defensive powerhouses introduced throughout quals, and I think that's really gonna uh, shake up what we're kind of seeing overall. Um, they're definitely gonna be. Uh, 
more defensive plays, smarter defensive plays that we're going to see on Einstein. Um, I think people are going to be better at being assertive rather than aggressive on Einstein. Uh, we're not going to see those scores. So I, are we going to not see those scores or are we just going to see the scores on coming from those teams that can't be blocked from the outer works? In other words, and in certain ways almost you know can't be defended if they're very smart at driving. So is this going to create some sort of um, let them eat cake scenario where you've got a bunch of teams playing good defenses and then the other the best teams just don't care? Uh, that that might happen. Um, the the first thing is I don't see anybody shooting from the outer works at the same uh, accuracy level they're shooting from the batter at the moment. Even the best in the country are missing shots from the outer works, um, and so that will get better a little bit, but not significantly. The other thing is you do exactly what. Um, what 3560 did at Waterloo. You play the neutral zone defense and you just slow down the, the cycle of balls. I mean, for me, when I break down games and look at it, it's all about points per second, right? So it doesn't really matter where you slow them down. If you take a few seconds off in the middle, it's the same as taking a few seconds off on the outside. And that's the defense is just going to move. And so, yeah, they go in and take their shot. But if you look at the fact that 11-14 and 20-56 never had a defender in their courtyard at all, right? And we're still beat, you know. Regardless, yet you know, in, in I'm talking about the final match where nobody yeah. died. Yeah, it was they were still beat, and it was just nudge them a little bit, take a second off the shot, nudge them a little bit, take the second off the shot, and you do that, it's going to come down to one ball or, or a hang or Auton score or something, and that's going to be the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and actually that brings up another concept is, are we going to start to see a mad sprint for the balls in the middle uh, after after Autonomous? I think I th we're already starting to see the beginnings of it. I think we are. Actually, yeah. actually that's, a, that's a very good point is that if if you looked at the Waterloo uh, mat matches and the, and the final matches there, we definitely saw that balls were hard to come by when it came to the middle and the end of the match. Teams were being very smart about holding them, and the balls that were in the middle of the start were incredibly important about getting them, holding them, and scoring them as quickly as as quickly as you can to get as many in. Mm -hmm. Yep, mm -hmm. auton routines that return you back over the defenses to the middle will be just as important as you know. Auton is going to be the thing that that oh, yeah. tips tips you over the score, and so if you can be sitting there in the center. Uh, in the neutral zone, ready to pick up your second ball, while the other team is 10 feet away on the other side of the defenses, you're going to always have an advantage. Right. And I, I think we're also going to see a bit, uh, again, ball starvation, uh, not like we saw back in, uh, what was it, week half at Palmetto. Um, 179 was seeing ball starvation in the secret passage. We're going to see ball starvation in your own courtyard. Uh it's as simple as bringing the ball in and dropping it. And as long as you can see it, it's going to be so much harder for the other alliance to grab that ball back from you. Uh, so I, th I think we'll probably see that popping up as well. Yeah, that's one of the things that we sort of touched on last week a little bit. Um, that's important to note is that um, we see a lot of teams, if they score and miss, their drivers are trained just to go and get the next ball a lot of times if there are open balls in the, mid in the courtyard. And that's actually really, I think it's kind of one of the, the sort of hidden hidden tactics, hidden gems here is that like if you miss the ball and it doesn't go off the field, if you miss if you shoot it the right way, it'll go into the stay in the courtyard, which is basically means that you're going to score that ball later because it's very very difficult to move balls out of courtyards into the mid the mid zone and out of the field. 
you basically have to hope that you can push it into the secret passage and then get it out of there later on. Um, and actually, something I noticed, I think this is why they were doing that. Don't quote me on this, but if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you see a lot of robots line up on the non-secret passage half of the field and shoot into that corner goal there. So they have plenty of space to maneuver. And when they miss, the ball is far away from the secret passage, so they're able to pick it up and score it later on. I think that's why people are doing it because you'll see some teams like 125, for example, they'll park dead center in the middle of in the middle of the courtyard to score, whereas 1114 and 2056 kind of rotate that 45 degrees off toward the side of the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I think I think I'm right about that, but I could be wrong. We'll have to I mean, ask them, I guess. <laughs> we, it could I mean, also we, just be because of the low bar. Yeah, we, we like we like to score on the open side of the field. You know, our drivers have a higher accuracy, and it's it's twofold. One is it is the low bar, and it's faster. Um, but the other one is actually the berm. You know, for robots, like we're long configuration, and so with our intake down, which it would be out towards the uh, secret passage, the actual berm can actually affect your shot. That's our, true. Like our intake hits it, and I think there's a lot of teams that have that situation where they're interfacing with that steel bar on the field, and it's just kind of tweaking what you can see. Interesting. All right, cool. I think the uh, the camera on your driver station is going to become more of a thing as the fight for the balls in the middle becomes more important mm-hmm. as well. I know that yeah, we being... noticed it on our team. Like, It's really hard to see the ones in the middle if there's a Sally Port out there or one of the other tall ones. Even the Cheval. Um, it's going to be a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being able to get that those one or two balls easily that the other teams can't see is, you know, you get every advantage that you can. Yeah. Hey, and if you have that big camera on a stick after you win your event, you can do a uh, super Mike Corsetto 25-foot selfie too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to the, the next topic here. We're still talking about Waterloo because it was such a crazy event. Let's talk about those other Canada teams. So for a very long time, it was – you know, 11-14 and 2056 are the best teams in Canada. Then they were the best teams in the world. And now we're starting to see these other teams like 610 and 1241 and other teams that have happened in the last few years come to the forefront and actually play on the same level or, or greater than these perennial powerhouse teams. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I don't want to I don't want to poo-poo on the idea, Francis. What? But... <laughs> um, so, so six ten and twelve forty one, and I feel I feel terrible saying saying stuff like this, but I'm going to do it because I'm an honest man. <laughs> um, <laughs> six ten and twelve forty one, they're great teams, right? They make great robots. They're still probably in the top one percent of robots in the world. But I think what we're seeing right here is between six ten and twelve forty one teaming up and beating twenty fifty six and eleven fourteen. We're we're kind of getting jaded a little bit i think 11 14 is taking a little bit longer to get into their prime than they did back last year where they just came out and dominated the field from the get-go and everyone was like why didn't i think of that um (laughs) so i think what we're seeing is a combination i don't want people to confuse a combination of a slightly off year for some teams and an amazing year for other teams i'd really like to see consistency before i can say that the temple of the best team in the world for me is uh is about to fall. Oh, maybe I should rephrase what I said. I think I, I, I actually wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying. I'm not saying that that six ten that's not saying that eleven fourteen and twenty fifty six are old and busted and these guys are new <laughs> hotness. Um, 
what I guess I, I would say is that if you look at the if you look at like teams in Canada for a long time, it was basically whoever no very few teams had a shot at beating those two. Yeah, like right? you have and, no idea how now, frustrated. Sorry, go ahead. And now there are at least two or three other teams that if they get together can put up a a, a legitimate mm-hmm. a legitimate challenge to two of the best teams in the world. Yeah, if I, for example, like Team Dave thirty six eighty three, yeah. they're they're a great team, and for so many years they've gone up against the twenty fifty six and or eleven fourteen combo, and they've been in the finals and they've just not been able to push through that that barrier. And you know that's that's tough because it's almost gets to the point where you know you're in Canada and you're like, okay, do we play with these guys or do we try and pick the regional that they're not going to go to? <laughs> and. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally. I, I so there's a couple things to this. One is I think the game plays each year, and I think that this is a game that has recent history, and where 2012, 2014, there's a lot of recent lesson le- lessons learned that you can directly apply. So the the gap might just be a little bit smaller. This is not to take anything away from those teams, but it's just the gap between. The super mm-hmm. top and that second tier just might be a little bit closer than it normally is. And, I mean, we, we actually have the exact same thing here in Texas, right? Like, everybody in the entire first world knows who 118 is. They know who 148 is. They know who Kryptonite is. But they don't know who 4063 is. They don't know who my team is. They don't know who, you know, there's a whole 30. handful of, yeah, 3,005, 3, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the Bronk bots. I mean, there's a whole, like... There's a whole like tier of teams that's just like behind, you know, we always get beat up by 118, 148 and Kryptonite in most years. And it's, you know, we just keep having to push ourselves. And that, that actually, we love that because it's kind of like it puts a little chip on your shoulder and you, you try a little bit harder. And I think that there are some years that, you know, play to different teams' strengths. I think that there's more cots available that make teams better and easier. And I think that naturally people will continue to to evolve and so maybe it's not that they're losing that what they are maybe they're always at that constant level but you know it's a lot harder to push to become that extra one percent better when you're already in the one percent versus right. when you're at the 96 percent trying to reach 98 i mean so mm-hmm. and so i think that that might be where we are where we might be at the time, and it's. I think it's happening in a lot of regions where yeah. you know the second tier is just getting closer to the top, and the top, to some degree, doesn't have that many places to go. Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to kind of jump on that. Um, it's been at least a couple of years since we've really seen a, a, just a couple of standout teams in New England. Um, the, the top has been completely shaken up, uh, at least this season. I think we're seeing a lot of people that we wouldn't normally see. Um, you know, there, there are a number of teams that are getting their first blue banners this year. And uh, I, again, part of it is the game. I think another part of it is you spend enough time playing with some of the best and you're definitely going to get better. And, uh, you know, it's still going to surprise people when you come out and you're on par with them or better. But, uh, you know, Everybody's going to rise in quality when you're playing with the best. Yeah, and I think I think that a, a really good example of this, you can like I think we're we're kind of naming tons and tons of examples because I think we I think Greg hit on a good point here is that a rising tide floats a lot of boats. You know, if you if you have a a goal to achieve and a target 
not to say a target on, on a back that you want to hit, right? But if you have a, a team or a, or a goal that you want to reach toward, uh, you can do it. I know that 971, for example, who is – they've won a world championship. They've done – they've won tons and tons of regionals now. But for a long time, they were not terribly uh, – they were not terribly great. They won one, they won one regional prior to that uh, but otherwise had a lot of, of really bad years. But they got their act together, saw what they could do. And decided to strive toward it. You know, I know that uh, Stephanie in, in the Pacific Northwest this year, there's been a lot of teams sort of come up from uh, from sort of not being known as as the most popular team. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, I think at first I attributed it to the district system, um, and I think that's had a well. huge part in it. And the uh, like Greg mentioned, the more availability of of COTS parts that um, like from Vex Pro that you can buy and just, I mean, my team, we built our whole robot from, from Andy Mark's Kitbot and Vex Pro. Like that, that's it. Um, and we went out and won a district. So that, I think the combination, um, the teams that, I think we've said it before, like most teams only go to one regional, but in the district system, your one entry fee gets you two events. And that has raised the sort of middle tier in the Pacific Northwest a lot. Um, just giving them that extra play and you know, playing with your robot twice as many times as they're used to. Um, so I, I would yeah. definitely agree. Yeah, the one of my favorite phrases is uh, from the one, the infamous 148 mentor JVN John V Noon, as um, continuous incremental improvement, and something that, that that's really something that the district model really lets you do is yep. you're no longer building a robot for six weeks playing in eight to 10 matches and then waiting for the next six week period back in January. You're, you're saying you get to see what you missed on. You get to see what you can improve on and then you get to do it all over again. And I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we're going to talk about the last thing we've got going on here in, uh, in, um, oh, did somebody move Waterloo. the topics on me? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Last thing in Waterloo here. Um, so we've got uh, Team 2056. They had their big streak. Uh, I guess set would be a good word to put. You know, I can't, you can't you can't ever be upset when a team makes it to. Um, <laughs> you can't you can't you can't really be upset when a team gets a finalist award. But Team 2056 this week, for those who are not sure, uh, did not win the Waterloo Regional, which that sets the record of having won the most regionals in a row at 23. Which, by the way, is absolutely incredibly absurd. Mm-hmm. I can't even. I, I I've done a little bit of research because it's really hard to do, but I can't think of a, another streak that's gone on for more than ten regionals in a row. Even even going to twenty three regionals and winning them, even winning twenty three regionals at all is a, a sight to behold. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. it's off the chain. Ooh, that's something I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to go through and look at the percentage of teams that have won less regionals than 2056 won in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, it's yes, going to be a lot. It's, it's going to be 90-something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, at the very least, they were a rookie in 2007. So they've gone through, what, this is their uh, ninth year, right? So they've gone through over two full rotations of students. If you were a mm-hmm. freshman – on the team in 2007, you could have your master's degree today, right? And still, they've managed to reach this high level of consistency and excellence. Yep. 
How do they do it? Anybody know? Anybody get any tips? Please tell me. I'm looking. <laughs> well, it's it starts off with you know that really really great jump start of of being able, and I, I think don't count me wrong because it's been a, I it's been a long time since 2007, but I think that they started off with help from either 1114 or mentors from 1114. They were um, they were they started as a triplet, right? So they were. Were they? they were, yep, they were. They were okay. one of the uh, Simbot triplets. I thought it was. Uh, I thought that was 1680 right. and 50, 1503. I thought, I thought that twenty fifty six was one of the one okay. of the triplets or, or, or twins as well. <laughs> Chat. Well, anyway, please correct anyway, us. You can do it anyway. One of the best teams in the world helps you um, if you're there to get even just a modicum of, of advice from eleven fourteen. Then you've, you're off to a great start there, and you know, really, if you can get that head start, it. Look what it does, you know. Hey, eleven fourteen. Next time you start a team, let's see how many uh, let's see how many regionals in a row they can win. Yeah. Well, the other thing to note is that uh, a lot of their early success was that they were basically the second best robot at their events, and that eleven fourteen was by far the best. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of their early regionals, they kind of, I not not to say they couldn't have won them against eleven fourteen, but they definitely had a much easier time in the beginning uh, by basically riding. Riding with eleven fourteen to victory, I, I think an absurd. I think the, the Blue Alliance has this number on there, but I think it's something like fourteen times they won with eleven with eleven fourteen. That's a crazy pair up. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah. They were not a triplet, by the way. The chat has totally corrected me. I okay, was wrong. See, <laughs> the, triplets, I, now, the triplets were in two thousand and six, and they yeah. started in two thousand seven. So yeah. my bad, my yeah. bad. Sorry. I, uh, I, I feel I, I I only I I hate to correct you, but I, I only remember that num that those numbers because. I was doing pit scouting in Waterloo in 2005, and all those robots were next to each other. So I was like, oh, that robot. Okay. This robot. Oh, oh, well, that's weird. And then, oh, uh, what's going on? <laughs> what? Uh, oh. Yeah. I think – so I think it's important to, to state very, cle- very clearly that 2056 is hands down and has, and has been one of the best teams in the world. And they're not just riding on the coattails of a lot. Well, that's the thing. Not anymore. Certainly. Right. They've, they've, exactly. they've, they've gone and become – a force to reckon with on their own, regardless of anyone else's input. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that, um, I think that them not winning a world championship is kind of one of the, one of the greatest travesties in, in the way that first has wor- worked itself out. I think they will win a world championship soon. I think that, you know, I said last week they're due to lose it. I say it this week they're due to win a world championship at some point. So, the Oracle has spoken. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm wrong more than I'm right. Yeah. Um, and uh, the number of successful team ups between 1114 and 2056 is 17, which is uh, also way up there. Kind yeah. of ridiculous. Not bad. Not bad. So I guess with that, uh, congratulations to Team 2056. And congratulations to everybody else who played this weekend who was not at Waterloo and did well as well. Um, so we're going to move on to, I think, our next topic, which is not about the Waterloo Regional. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how everybody's robot is old and busted at this point and breaking left, right, and center, including some of the top teams in first. You would not expect to have that happen to. Greg, do you want to start us off on this topic? Yes. It is – this is a hard game. I mean it's hard on your robot. It's hard to play. Um, I have seen at the events that I've been more random things breaking on robots than I think ever before. And yes, you, you always will get the same, oh, my chain broke, that type of thing. You know, this, is, this game is shaking loose things like main battery cables and um, soft, soft breaker switches and all sorts of weird 
things. And it really just comes down to this game is rougher on robots. I mean, you have rougher, you have robots doing Dukes of Hazard style over defenses. I can't think of another game where teams were quite literally flying through the air like this. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, does everyone remember, you know, 118's video from 2010? Mm-hmm. You know, their reveal video at the end, it was, you know, watch out for flying robots as their robot crashed into the driver's station. Mm-hmm. And everyone laughed because they assumed that that's never going to happen. What the heck's going on? Well, no, like I, I'm standing by the field at Hub City this weekend and I'm watching teams quite literally get two feet of air over the rock wall mm-hmm. and <laughs> so, stuff's going to break, um, especially teams that, you know, for example, not using pneumatic wheels, right? Pneumatic wheels are acting as a suspension. You know, but you get really great robots like uh, 3310 Blackhawk who die on the field. They're using hard Colson wheels. Some electrical connector connector pops loose. This is a tough game. So it's the, your your pit scouting. Sorry, your pit uh, checklist before your match should be longer this year than ever before because you're going to have to check things that you can normally just forget about. Yeah. yeah. Go for ahead, example, Ty. for example. Um, we had to make sure that we still had teeth on some of the gears that power our big beefy arm. <laughs> like, um, and we actually we had to deal with that in in finals up at UNH. We actually three nineteen had to take more of the defense crossing responsibility so that fifteen nineteen didn't accidentally break a few extra teeth off of their already broken gear and then not be able to shoot. So yeah, I, I actually I had a question for you. Greg, since you're since you have one of the companies and that uh, makes commercial off the shelves components, is this game like when you saw this game, were you like, oh crap, we didn't design for something this crazy? Or you know, can we get a can we get a supplier perspective on this? Sure. Um, so first of all, we didn't design. Well, I, so let me back up. We don't design. Um, so Rev Robotics does not design solutions. So we're mm-hmm. not in the solution business um, like some others are. You know, we don't sell gearboxes. We don't sell, you know, we do some linear motion stuff. But so designing for the game, worried about that. I wasn't that worried about it. Um, I was worried about um, some teams using, you know, you know, the last few years, it's been really popular West Coast drives with tubes. And, you know, we do uh, stamp sheet metal brackets, you know, gusset plates and all sorts of stuff like that. I was very worried about teams using those to hold their chassis together, uh, especially mm-hmm. with pop rivets, uh, because, you know, we we put robots together early. We had a, a field built, you know, like within the first day of the of the uh, season and we were destroying stuff left and right. And so I was very, I was worried about some of our parts. Um, I haven't heard any reports. Um, it's also a uh, interesting year to launch a motor controller during the <laughs> one of the roughest games ever. Um, that had me nervous. Fortunately, we've had, haven't had any um, issues when there. But it it is a concern. Um, you know, this year, you know, we were fortunate. Um, us, Vex, and Andy Mark all got kind of a a slight heads up. Um, on, we didn't get any real specifics about the game, but we just kind of said, you're going to be climbing over obstacles. You're going to be hanging like that stuff. So, you know, we hope that we will continue to design parts that can stand up to any game, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I really hope that no team has lost their regional because they picked a part that wasn't designed for this type of game. I mean, I know it's not specifically rev parts because we don't build stuff that's that critical, that 
system critical on the mechanical side, but you know there are some notable things that people got away with in 2015 that I'm pretty sure we're breaking in 2016. Yeah, yeah. For example, some of those, you know, some of the plastic hubs on robot on that some, you know, for uh, script those Andy Mark hubs, you know, in any game up until now they're bulletproof and then all of a sudden you're dropping 150 pound robots from two feet into the air at full speed and they break and you know that's not to say that that's not to put any bash on any markets to say that this is an absolutely brutal game that i don't think anybody was expecting how rough it is yeah well also the uh you know motor power is off the charts right Mm -hmm. like this is if uh you know we, we talk about this all the time and you know it's i cannot believe that you know, I was hope I was thinking that before this year and maybe that motors and things like that were going to be reined in, but there were going to be less options with a little bit less power. Oh man! And then you turn around and you get stuff like the uh, the Vex Seven Seven Five Pro that um, that's just as powerful as a sim, and essentially mm-hmm. you're limited on sims, and that's it. I mean, <laughs> yep. like right. so you basically have a motor that's the same power as a sim that you can use as many of them as you want on your robot. I mean, this is. It's going to be crazy. I mean, at some point, you know, back in I mean, my day, we had drill motors and we liked it. Oh, I, I, I did some throwback uh, with some people in, in the pits, and I was like picking up, picking up photos from our like my like 2003 build seasons and 2004 build seasons, like old Bosch motors and like molded housings and stuff like that. And people were like, "We don't even know how you built robots in six weeks." Like, is that a drill? Why did you put a what, drill? What is that? And then there's the Mabuchi motor. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I like, like, I like, I still will never forget the, uh, and I still have one here somewhere in, in a box in my garage, but the original sim motor with the integrated, uh, metric, gear? metric spline. It wasn't a worm oh. gear. It was a, it was a metric pitch gear right on the shaft. And in 2002, they gave you the actual mating gear to it. Like a like a hat gear to something else, so you had a chance of converting because it like a <laughs> it was a gear that didn't exist. Everybody ended up just taking <laughs> taking shafts, drilling them out, and pressing them on and pinning them and hoping for the best. You know. Yeah, I, I think I've seen some of those in the in the recycle bin over here. <laughs> but I mean, back on the topic of robots breaking again. I mean, you guys you guys have said it, and I think it, do you guys think there's a, a like Greg sort of mentioned this? Do you think that there's a bit of a underreaction because we had a game that had almost no contact and teams maybe didn't think that they had to secure the robots as well. Maybe they were cheating a little bit. You know, not actually cheating, but they were sort of skirting the edge a little bit too much and they kind of got used to it. You know, I don't know, Francis. Um, any, any controls person worth their salt is always going to make sure that uh, wires are secure and electronics are secure. I, I don't necessarily think that this is entirely human error. Um, I think part of it is that, you know, maybe we're really putting these pieces to the test. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know that um, one of the things that I saw happen locally here um, is that it's one of the one of the big issues was radios. You know, radios, they're not they don't have a good way to, to stream release the cable. If you're not careful, it's especially if you have a crappy Ethernet cable running to your robot. It's very easy to have that thing pop out or come loose for a moment, and then you're waiting for your radio to reset and reconnect, which doesn't take as long as the Ethernet cable do it. A brand new Ethernet cable, a brand new one that we know was clipped in, that was no longer clipped in after three matches. (laughs) Damn, that's brutal, bro. Yeah, 
Yeah. And the other thing I've noticed a lot of is serial power connectors, either on the serial or on the a PD board, because that's like like the weakest the weakest link on the robot that could happen, even though it's screwed mm-hmm. down. But oh. and it, it's it's ab- it's like almost physically painful to see robots like 148 do the the flip hang and then just reveal all the battle scars on their belly pan yeah going over <laughs> it's seen some stuff man <laughs> yep all right well hopefully uh hopefully that iri will be awesome hopefully these robots make it all the way to iri we'll see uh i think we're ready to move on to our next topic here um and so for those of you who don't know the pacific northwest and chesapeake regional district chesapeake district championships are this weekend uh, Peachtree uh, as well, right? No, Peachtree is next week. I believe the Vee said it was next week. So, um, so, um, so, oh shoot. Okay, no, I remember what I was talking about. So, uh, <laughs> as per the rules, uh, you can raise the the first is allowed to raise the strength of the of the towers before the district championships during the most recent update, which would be tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. Ruth, why don't you start off our discussion on? If that could happen, should happen, what are the implications of it, and why would they do it? So I'm going to start off with uh, throwing some numbers at you. Um, So far, teams have played over 19,500 matches. Well, Uh, it's uh, 19,500 towers, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. 19,500 towers. Uh, Thank you for that correction, Kai. Um, Got you. (laughs) 19,500. Thousand plus opportunities for captures, and uh, so we're we're not talking uh, three robots on the batter or scaling or whatever. We're just talking having the tower at zero or less, and we've only seen that happen two thousand eight hundred ninety-five times. Approximately. Oh, oh approximately. <laughs> <laughs> Eating, of um, who's counting? And, and who's who's counting? The yeah. Um, so. That's a uh, that's a little bit better than ten percent, um, and uh, so if we bump those numbers up to, you know, simulated tower strength is nine, uh, running off of those same numbers from all these events that the teams already played, we're looking at about seventy seventeen hundred uh, possible captures, regardless of whether or not there are robots on the batter. And if we bump that up to ten, we're looking at uh, about about a thousand. Um, I don't think we're going to see the towers drop this week. Uh, you know, we'll find out in the next team update. Uh, I, I haven't seen it come out yet this week. Um, I don't think we're going to see a bump this week. Uh, there's nothing in that rule, as far as I can tell, that they won't change it between weeks for district championship. Um, I, I think we'll definitely see a bump for championships, but I don't know if we're going to see whoa. a bump whoa, this week. Whoa, 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 whoa. You draw you hold on. Hold the phone. You just Uh-oh. said that we're gonna definitely see a bump for championships? I think we're gonna see a bump for championships. Full prediction, no. Wow. gentlemen. Oh, no, right. no. So, I, th- no. I think we'll see a bump to nine for championships. I don't think no. we'll see nine. a bump beyond nine. Is that so, be, is that is that because you like perfect squares or <laughs> I mean, you know. Okay. So but, um, we got we had a little discussion about this before the show and Greg brought up some good points that I'm going to let him bring up as well. But basically on this data that, that roof, that roof mind, we we've seen about 15% of the towers have had the opportunity to be captured as in, you know, maybe teams didn't get on the batter, but if we drop that, if we increase the 
um, tower strength to nine, that cuts that in half, basically. So we're going to see less than we're going to see about half of the tower captures than we were assuming competition stays about the same. Uh, now, Greg had a great point for that before the before our discussion. And uh, Greg, what was that point? So, okay, so my, my point to this, and the reason I don't think the tower is gonna, strength is going to change is how many teams, so, so the data on if you just say how many teams actually dropped the tower and then scored eight, a lot of teams are dropping the tower and stopping, right? Which is super risky because if, you know, you get a foul at the end, you, you lose it. But there's a goal, they go, they score eight balls, then they go and park. Um, you know, take your hands off, you've already won the match. I mean, if you run the data on teams that have dropped the tower strength, challenged the tower, and breached the defenses and lost matches, it's pretty small. Like, yeah. okay, in, in elims, it definitely happens, like in finals, but it's ghost, I mean, it's super small. But I think most alliances that can do eight could do nine. And from a separation standpoint, all you're going to do is you've got this whole group of alliances over here that can drop the tower strength and park. And you've got this whole group that doesn't. And there's a gap in the middle in terms of point value. If you increase the tower strength, all you're going to do is move this gap up. And the top one or two or three alliances at, at championship or at the district events are still going to do it and still get to get the points. And it's going to be a blowout in the finals. Instead of 200 to 210, it's going to be 210 to 185. Interesting. I mean... I'd actually be really interested if we could see how your intuition pans out in data. I mean, because it's it, I know that there are a lot of teams out there that do exactly what you say, but in New England, in the New England area, when I see captures happening, people just keep scoring a lot of the time, whether that be because they're just bad at bad at reading the the live score or what have you, um, or looking at the tower. But I think I I do I do tend to agree with your separation art with statement is that. I think that bumping the tower up, if it happens, is not going to really change too much as far as the game is concerned. And, and I think here's the other thought I want to ask and bring up is what's, what would be the purpose of bringing up the tower, right? Is, is the goal, is the goal of, of the GDC to reduce the number of captures and to keep it a low and rare occurrence? Or do they want to increase the number of captures and see what happens? I'm not sure which. I would think at this point they would want to see more captures and see really close matches. Nobody, nobody wants. Everybody wants to see a finals determined by one ball, or mm -hmm. they hung at the last second and that that made them win. Nobody wants to see. Oh, well, they won two hundred and ten to one eighty five. That was kind of less exciting. Womp womp. Right, like, like you'll you'll get those diehard fans in football, for example. You get those diehard fans that love those grind them out defensive battles where. Uh, where a touchdown is a rarity, but then you also have those just absolute sling fests where it's something like 50 to 50 and you're just seeing those touchdowns and those are a complete blast. And honestly, you know, one of the main reasons for college football over regular, over national football is that they do score more, right? And they, you have those events and you get to see, you get to see them doing more things. So I think, the excitement of the capture is not as important as the excitement as the whole match. And so I think that really points to what, what Greg just said is I want to see teams win in the last second, or I want to see 200 to 200 matches. I don't want to see teams going to try and get that one last ball so they can win with a 25 point margin. 
So now, so sort of to talk about what we were saying, maybe Ruth can answer this first. What would you need? To, what, would, what would they have to see at a district championship to want to bump it up for the championship? Like you're saying, um, I think that the the real thing, the, the real issue that we're going to see with this is um, the ranking points in quals. Uh, you know, yes, there's the excitement factor and the eliminations, but we're going to see it as it's really going to be a test to see who are going to be the best teams out there. Uh, you know, not to throw through 19 under the bus, but you guys got, what, six or seven captures in a row at UNH? Mm-hmm. Is that, is yeah, that right? You know, yeah, you know, just, just, just six. Just a minor um, <laughs> But we're going to, we're starting to see a lot of that now. You know, teams are on their second or their third plays. They're, there's no way they're going to let that fly because it's going to come down to too many tiebreakers and nobody likes to see rankings done on like, you know, the third or fourth tiebreaker. Uh, they're going to do it to thin the field, thin the top. Ah, so you think it's too close. You think that as teams get better, right. it's going to become too close. Right. Yeah. So I think that they're going to up that difficulty. Um, if not at district champs, uh, then definitely at world champs. You know, you're basically hitting that higher level. It makes sense to increase that challenge. And I think this is one of the. Do they always build this in? They uh, have since 2011 yeah. at the mini bot. Yeah, they have fiasco. Yeah. So, so I actually, I actually like, I like your perspective, Ruth. I think that, uh, I think that adding it for quals is a, is a thing that I hadn't thought about. You know, in in elims that I always think about what's elims going to play with that championship, and I think that my perspective comes from that where you say all the best alliances are automatically going to get it if they want to be competitive. But I think you're right. At regionals, you're seeing the top teams are the ones that are blowing everybody away by getting four captures or three captures. I mean, um, you know, 33-10 at this event that I was just at, you know, they had locked up the number one seed because they had gotten three or four captures through the through the event. And, like, they could have, like, not brought their robot to the field in the last match, gotten zero, and still been ahead. So... If it does become more common at championship, that might be a reason to do it to guarantee that your top seeds are the best robot as opposed to it being a float where you're going to have a scorcher at the top of the alliance selection list. So that's a valid point. Right. And I'm also going to make a point uh, to kind of what you guys were saying earlier uh, and also because I love football. You really want to see people play to the whistle, Uh, you know, play until play is done. Uh, and again, it's definitely, definitely, definitely no fun at all when people are sitting on the, on the batter with like, you know, five, ten seconds to go. There's so much that can still happen in those five, ten seconds. We've seen a lot of uh, last second batter shots or last second level scores that have gotten the tower down and that ends up being a huge swing for the match. But, you know, the other alliance was just sitting on the batter. Um, raising the tower... Uh, for the purpose of the limbs, is going to make teams play to the whistle. It's definitely going to make it more exciting in the limbs. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I can say that as a drive coach for my first year, as I get a phone call, uh, as my first year as a drive coach, there's nothing more frustrating to me that I didn't expect than someone just giving up and not playing the rest of the match. I've had robots sit there and literally spin, have one joystick all the way forward and one all the way back and spin exactly where we're trying to score a goal. And we ask them to move and they just go do it somewhere else. Or I've had drive teams do lunges next to me in the driver's station. 
Lunges? Yeah, What's I a just, lunge? Lun- like, like exercising. Oh, Francis. Oh, sorry. I don't. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't know what that is. I don't exercise. <laughs> da, da, da. You know but it now. I, I don't know. I just. Yeah. Even if you don't think you're gonna win, why not play till the end? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that uh, that's gonna bring up to our next topic and one of our final topics for the evening is now that we're getting into the district championship season. Uh, Team Apex is going to be playing there at the Pacific Northwestern Championship coming up real soon. Stephanie, why don't you give us your perspective on how to seed high at these events where there's, the competition is going to increase and how you think the PW is going to play out. And then we'll go around the horn and talk to everybody else. Oh, man. Those are two. Those are, I think the first question is – I think it's simple to me. Um, I think you win. have to capture. You have to win mm-hmm. and you have to capture. Yeah. And you have to breach. I mean you just have to – I don't know, it's just simple, right? You just have to do all the things do it all. and get all the points <laughs> and you'll be fine. Um, no, but I think I think there's not going to be very many, if any, robots that cannot contribute to a breach. But mm-hmm. And that the only thing that is going to differentiate teams is whether or not you can secure the capture. So, so that being said, none of the things that you said involve shooting high. So, are we going to see district champs in which, and we saw it in week five, or at least we saw it in week five at um, up here in Boston? Is we had a are um, the number one seed was a low goaler. They just they can't even shoot high. They literally can't even. Ten fifty three, ten fifty eight has won three district events this year without seeing never, a single high goal. Right, exactly. So are we going to see that at district champs? Are we going to see these teams that can get six, seven, maybe even eight low goals and just power on through, most likely winning because they're getting eight goals in a match, power on through, get those four ranking points, and then seed high? And if so, what's going to happen when we get to eliminations? I think we might. I think in the Pacific Northwest, we don't have... We have some, but we don't have a lot of shooters that can put in that obscene number eight or more low goals uh, or high goals like our low goalers can. Um, mm-hmm. The interesting thing is we don't have any or we at least don't have many. I can't say we don't have any. We don't have many high goal shooters <laughs> that have a scaler. Um, Yet. Yes. Uh, I, I know I saw one new one this last weekend, um, but that's going to be a big thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pongo. Pongo agrees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, I don't know, it comes down to the difference. If, if, you're, if you're a low goaler that gets through seeds high, but you have a scale, you do mm-hmm. have something to ward off the, the high goalers. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But is it enough? I think this goes back to something Ty kind of mentioned, which is kind of kind of extremely simplistic, but very deep at the same time, is that the points don't matter if you win, right? So if you don't score on the high goal during your qualification rounds, it's okay, assuming you can beat everybody else, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can if you're gonna play twelve matches at your district championship, if you can win ten or nine in a draw, and then uh, get your breach and capture every time, you should lock up the number one seed pretty reasonably. Mm-hmm. But the key there is that you have to be able to win. And I think that you're going to see kind of what Greg was mentioning is that defense is going to be going to come into play. 
So you're going to have to try to do that through more defense. And if you if your match schedule doesn't work out in such a way that you end up with people who can pick up for you when you get defended, then you're going to find some challenges that you may not have found. Because I think, especially at the district championships, defense is going to become a thing. At, at most districts and at some regionals, you don't play any defense during qualification rounds because you're focused on getting your breach and your breach and trying to get a capture and putting up as many points. But when it comes to being selected at the, on the big stage, you have to show off what you can do. You have to show it off more than just one match in your, on your last day of the event. Yeah, and actually that's, that brought your point of my point brought up a point of my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got these teams, we've got a few teams, some of the top ones in the, in the districts that are going to be at their district championships that have added high goal shooting to their repertoire since their last event. But they got to the top of, they got to the top of their district on the backs of low goals, right? So are we going to see these teams basically just go with what they know will get them the capture and logo, 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 and then maybe just turn the high goal on when they know that they've got the capture or maybe even not even do that and just turn the high goal on when they get to eliminations and they know that they've got a partner that can score half as many or just as many as them. Um, so is that something that's possible? That's a good point. So this was actually right into my point that I was going to make. So good job. It's on points, baby. Yeah. It's, like we're on, it's like we're on a team or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one thing I've noticed, and I – I don't even want to venture whether this is good or bad or right or wrong. But one thing I've noticed in the PNW is that high goalers go high in in quals. They don't try and low goal and try and get more balls and in for the capture. In mm -hmm. a limbs, they are much more willing to low goal until they know they have the capture and then put in high goals. And I, it seems it feels a little backwards to me. My I, my robot's not a high goal shooter. I haven't spent that much time thinking about what I would do if I had a high goal shooter. But I I I think I would do it the other way around. I think in quals you you can't rely on as much help, and you want to be securing that capture for your ranking points. And in a limbs, you can rely on your partners a little bit more. Yeah. So I I'm I say you always want to show your best. Right. And winning is important. I always go, I'd say like, you know, obviously, you know, we, we go high. Uh, but I also think that there's an amazing ability to score a lot of balls in the last 20 seconds of the match because they're all sitting in the other team's secret passages that can't be defended. Mm -hmm. So like we do, we, we do a lot of steal theft at the very end of a match um, if we're short. But um, I think that's a huge point. But if you're a high goal shooter, I, I agree that in quals, you got to win. Right. And if you're like, I can tell you right now, we're faster at going the low goal, the, the low bar cycle into the low goal than we are at the low bar cycle into the high goal. Um, that's why my drivers are practicing like an hour and a half, like like four days a week right now. But I think that's a thing. But I think that in quals, you have to make sure you try to get the capture whatever way you can. Um, so I totally understand that strategy. And maybe some people just aren't transitioning from their qual strategy to their elim strategy nearly as effectively as they should. Yeah. Um, so my other point about hangers, which is something we're going to see, and we saw it at Waterloo, and it was very, very subtle, the fifth defensive crossing, right? Oh, yep. So the Blue Alliance crossed 
the fifth defense and got the extra 10 points. Now they won by 10 points, right? So dun, dun, dun. If, if you don't have a hanger and you've got a little bit of time and you can do the, uh, the, the spinamajig to, to knock out the Sally Gate or you can do a cooperative drawbridge, whichever one you see, those are 10 points. You don't need them for the, the bonus, but you know, especially if you're talking about your third robot or, you know, I mean, any robot that can play effective defense can do the spin, kill the Sally Gate by itself, and those 10 points will come into play at champs, for yeah, sure. Especially if that, that defensive robot can't, uh, if that defensive robot doesn't hang, they can do that in the last 30 seconds after they leave the opponent's courtyard and gain a lot of, gain a pretty good amount of points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in Dallas, we ran out of balls in one of our matches, and we just went and did it to keep putting points on the board because we just we ran out of balls to, yeah. to, that we could easily get, and that was an easier 10 points than trying to do two runs to the high goal. It also mm-hmm. differentiates a missed Auton shot, too. That's true. So so is that to think, so now are we going to see no Sally Ports in the eliminations at World Championships or in the finals of the District Championships because it's that easy to get those 10 points? Are we going to just see drawbridge? People are going to take the visibility hit and just hopefully deny 5 or 10 points from the other team? I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I wish I could. <laughs> Damn it, no. Ty! Yeah. <laughs> um, I think everybody hates the drawbridge. Yeah. And I think that mm-hmm. you're not going to see it because everybody hates it. It doesn't matter if you've got a camera, camera on a pole or not. Nobody wants the drawbridge out there. It's just terrible. I think yeah. big floppy wall. Yeah, I think the drawbridge is what caused those two two red cards in the same match at Auburn yeah. in finals match mm-hmm. one because audience selection was the drawbridge in, right in the middle. That's a really mean audience. Yes, it is. We, we, <laughs> it happens in New England because the thing about the audience is that they're not always strategic. They actually like the way the drawbridge looks because it's cool, right? That's the that's that's the problem. Right? <laughs> I can I can tell you, I, you know, I was running, I was emceeing it at, at Hub City and. Every time we went out there to do audience selection, whichever one was on the board, it was the easier one. Yes. It was the rough terrain. It was the sally port. It was um, actually our port cullis was broken, so it was not an option. Um, <laughs> oh. We, we lost two of them early on in the event. And because it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday event, uh, there was no ability to get more uh, constant force springs. But So it was not an option. But other than that, it was just like everybody wants the easy ones. Nobody wants a screwed up sight line. And to be honest... The top tier teams, which defenses are out there, it really doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Yep, you're absolutely right. All right, well, it's been a good show so far. Let's wrap it up here, and we'll go to uh, shout-outs for this week. Uh, let's start off with Ruth. You're, Ruth, you're first on the shout-out list. Who shout out oh, to this week? Oh, geez. Uh, this week, I'm shouting out to 1678. Uh, you know, they're playing at uh, SVR this weekend. Um are they going to make the three-peat this year? Um, fingers crossed, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Steph. Three robots, three wins, maybe? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, what's your shout-out for this week? Uh, my shout-out is to 2056. Everybody's talking about how they lost their first event ever, their first regional ever, and uh, I think I want to see them start a new streak. What's the next one going to be? So good luck, 2056. Mm. Yeah. All right, so uh, Evan, he is currently at an Apex meeting. Stephanie skipped it to be here and do Game Sense with us, but Evan did go. So Evan's shout-out this week is to Apex Robotics Team 5897. What? From uh, Western Canada. They are playing literally 
right now, Western Canada Regional is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday event. So they're playing now. They got the same name as Apex. Good on them. Also, fun fact, if you're a big fan of watching first, you could have started watching on Thursday this past week all the way through Sunday. Then starting today is Western Canada. They'll go until Wednesday and then picking up more events starting in this coming Thursday all the way through to Sunday. So you could have had, if you're a diehard first fan, there's been like a 10-day stretch of events in there. So hope you like this game because there's a lot of it going on this week. My shout-out is to Team 971, Spartan Robotics. They're going to be playing at SVR2. Uh, I, love, I love this team. I love how they decide to basically make the most complicated robot they can uh, and pull it off and do crazy, crazy stuff with it. And I think that they're going to do even crazier stuff coming up at SVR. I don't have any inside info. I don't have any inside info, but it's going to oh, be sick. Sorry. I'm so sorry. What were you saying, Ty? What were you saying? <laughs> it seems like that entire robot is in fast-forward. Yeah, basically. <laughs> it's in fast forward and it was like made made to be like a toy, you know, which is awesome. <laughs> but anyway, really Ty, who are you who are you giving out this week? So down in the cheese district, I'm shouting out to twenty three sixty three Triple Helix. They've got two they've got two districts under their belt with two number one ranks, a winner, a finalist, and a district chairman's award. And they've got some big improvements in coming to step their game up even further. So I'm excited for what they're gonna pull off down there. Sweet. All right, last but certainly not least, Greg, who's your shout-out to for your episode here on GameSense? So my shout-out is to our friends in Texas, Team 624 Kryptonite. Uh, and they're going to be playing down at Houston, uh, which is always a tough event. And we are all hoping that they uh, punch their ticket to the World Championship. Third event of the season. They've got a really decent robot. And they're, we'd love, we want to see them play at the uh, championship. Awesome. They, I, they always do great. And I feel like this is unfortunately the... The, the second time this, or at least the second time this has happened, where they've gone to a third event to try to get their way to the championship. Yeah, I think they were, go they were going to three the whole time, but you know, coming off the season they had last year, I'm assuming that they thought that they were going to have it at the first event, and then they didn't get it at the second event. And so now, you know, in Texas, we all are friends, and we all want, each want to see each other at the big show. And, you know, they're, they're a... Uh, Right now, they're like the missing slot on the uh, on the Texas <laughs> rep, on the Texas rep board in terms of qualified for champs. So we want to see them there. Awesome. Alrighty, well, uh, that's going to do it for our main part of the show. A reminder to everybody watching live: we're doing a Q and A right after this. So if you have a question in the Twitch chat, type exclamation point Q followed by your question. You'll see right down below there are the instructions. Uh, just go ahead and do that. Send us the question, and if we like it, we'll answer it live on air. In just a few minutes. But before we go to our short break, I want to say a huge thank you to Greg for coming on the show. Greg, you've been a fabulous guest, and thank you for coming on, even on a Monday after flying back from your uh, emceeing appearance at the Hub City Regional this past weekend. Well, thanks for having me. I, I, I love to talk first, so this is, <laughs> this, is a, this is a joy, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, back, back in the day when you used to do first cast. Yep. You are you 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 and your program were one of the things that sort of inspired how we decided to do Game Sense. So thank you for doing that way back in the day. Yeah. Well, I you know for, first cast was it was a blast for a really long time, and you know there was a, there was a whole crew of people behind it. Yeah, some of them actually don't do first anymore. <laughs> I don't know how they got away, and I'm still here. But you know, <laughs> you know that, that those those phone calls and those those podcasts we didn't know video back then was just uh, I guess there was video, but not like this. Yeah. Um, you guys are way more prepared than we used to be. We used to just 
get on Skype or a phone call and just talk for two hours. So, <laughs> so uh, props to you guys. You're taking uh, FRC Media to the next level. Cool. Well, that'll do it for this part of the show. Again, we're going to take a very quick break. We'll be back in about five, ten minutes to answer some questions. Again, send them in via the Twitch chat because we want to hear what you guys have to say. So for now, uh, we're going to say bye-bye and see you in just a few minutes. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty, everybody. Welcome back to the Q&A portion of GameSense here. We're going to start off by reminding everybody one more time if you have a question for us. In the Twitch chat, hit exclamation point Q, type your question in, and it'll send it right to us. And if it's not a not terrible question, we'll answer it on air, hopefully. All right, so we're going to start off with our first question of the evening. Steph's putting it up on the screen right now. So the question is, does defense coming into quals at the PNW hurt low, ball, low goalers and batter shooters enough to affect their seeding? Ooh. Who wants to start this off? I, I like defense. All right, go ahead, yeah. PNW. Uh, I, I like defense too. Um, and I think it will actually come into play. Um, and it might be match schedule dependent on which teams are going out there wanting to play defense and less dependent on which teams should have defense played on them. Um, but I think it will come into play and I think that there are more t more high goal shooters and low goal shooters than not I, I think most of our ball scoring robots in the Pacific Northwest have not had defense played on them yet that and I agree with that, that is why I think it will have an effect because they're not used to it not that they can't play around it they're mm -hmm. just not used to doing it mm-hmm so my question for you is, are teams that qualified for your championship event, qualified through doing well at, their, at the district events, are they ready to give up trying to score and be an alliance captain themselves to go play defense? Some of them. But not all. <laughs> so, I, I mean, this is, the, one? This, is, this, is the, this is the catch-22 with, with defense and quals, is that if you are the defensive robot, especially when we get like to championship – you know, those teams have to basically commit to the fact to say, it's better for me to stop another team from scoring balls than if I just score balls myself. Mm -hmm. And that is that psychological conversation is something that's actually very hard to overcome. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's easy to make that decision when you're up against like two powerhouses and you've got like no chance to win. But I think if, if the match is a general coin flip, you're probably still not going to see defense until Elims. Yeah, it's it's always a it's as as somebody who's coached as well, it's always hard to sort of get teams into that mindset. You're absolutely right. It's it's hard to get people to see that like we're going against somebody who can score more points than you if if you stop them from scoring, you would be more worth to the point total at the end than you would be otherwise. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that that's got, that situation actually has to occur. And I think that at the district championship it could occur because you have a lot of teams that can score lots of points. Um, and there are, you know, when it gets time to sort of like the, the lower, the teams on the district championship who aren't, uh, who aren't at, who are, who are at the lower end of the point scale. Um, a lot of them don't have a ton of offensive potential. They're, they're certainly no scrubs by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not power robots that can, that can do crazy stuff like that. 
So if you end up in a situation where you have two two high scoring teams on one side and maybe one or two high scoring team one high scoring team and another team that's not so good, uh, I can see defense being played. But it's it's one of those things you got to get in that mindset, and especially if you're not from New England where we like defense, yeah, <laughs> then you know it's a little it can be a little challenging. Right, and uh, sort of a little question on the tail end of that. If you're in a region like maybe New England, who has really heavy defense, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you get to world champs, say, and there isn't as much defense being played. Is that going to be the same fish out of water effect, or are we going to see, um, you know, a huge spring up in performance from some of those teams that have been seeing heavier defense uh, at their districts and district championships? It's a very good point. Very good point. All right, I think we're going to move on to our next question here coming up. This question asks, a little bit different, not quite so much gameplay. Should wild cards continue to be distributed after the entirety of the finalist alliance has advanced so as to avoid unused wild cards at competitive events? So if you don't know, uh, wild cards are basically generated when a team that wins a re- that gets a spot at a regional and already has a spot to the championship, that goes down to one of the finalist alliance members who would not get a spot otherwise. So, Greg, you're you're actually the only one on this pot, on this show that is still in regionals. So, I want to hear from you first on this. So, okay, so I first of all, I'm a huge advocate for the district system. Uh, anybody who's in Texas knows that. Um, <laughs> and so, um, when do we want districts, or what do we want districts? When do we want it? 2017. But um, it, so here, here here's the thing for me. Texas has four regional events. We have 24 slots. We've got for for qualification of champs. We've got more than 24 really good robots that we would love to send to championship every year. And we do send more than that because we go play teams go play in Utah and all sorts of other places, right? And then win and get their spots. But you know what? I'm all for robots playing, and I would rather see the captains of the semifinalist alliances at World Championship. Than, you know, than well, than waitlist teams, and yep. so to me, pass them down. You got to come up with a fair way to do it because it's like, all right, once you pass the finalist, you got two semifinalist teams. How do you decide which one of the alliance captains of which semifinalist gets it? And then if you've got two to pass, do you give it to the captain of one and then the captain of the other? I mean, there's there's got to be rules structured about it. But look, we're going into a world where this year you have 600 F- FRC teams at champs. Um, next year we're going to have 800 FRC teams at champs. Spread the love around. There's always going to be more teams that want to play at champs that have good robots that get shut out because of a limited number of slots. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail right on the head with this. Is that it's it's it'd be great. I think that you want to do that. I know that when it was uh, a smaller championship, 400 or so teams that. It was mathematically impossible to put all of the qualified spots in the event. But now that there's at 600, we've got tons of waitlist teams coming on. I think that there's a, a good ethic. I don't want to say ethical because it kind of elevates it too high up, right? But there's like a moral justification to bring in those teams. But how do you pick it? How do you? I I, I, I can't think of a metric that picks. I mean, you could pick the the C the, the captain of the semifinalist. Alliance that's higher, higher seated, maybe, uh, but that doesn't. This still doesn't quite sit well necessarily with me. I don't know. It seems a little fuzzy, but 
What do the other district folks think? I think uh, everybody should just go to districts. Well, really. you know, I think so too. Yep. It's, it's a, or at least a lot of other people should go to districts. But mm-hmm. so, so, so to be one hundred percent clear, uh, basically they stop giving out wild cards after the finalist. Is that what is the yes. rule yeah. currently? Yep. Exa- exactly. So if you win an event, you show up to the event, you win chairmans, you know, you you roll through. Basically. You know, like like Hub City this weekend, right? So the winning alliance had two wild cards on it, which meant the moment that the finals happened, the alliance captain and their first pick of the other alliance. So five of the six teams were automatically going to world championship. It just mm-hmm. regardless of the outcome of the match. And mm-hmm. so if there happened to be a, a third wild card there, meaning all three had qualified, or in some cases where um, teams carry two wild cards, like multiple winners and things like that. If there's extra, they go unused, which basically means mm-hmm. that the six spots for championship get degraded by multiple event winners mm-hmm. without them. And so I'm like, just let everybody play. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, we could potentially see some sort of thing. You know, there are a lot of just regions where districts aren't necessarily the thing to do. They just don't have the team density. Uh, maybe we see sort of a hybrid and they look at uh, you know point values based on awards and performance and where you finish up, and maybe they borrow that aspect from the districts, and that helps with some of the wild card distribution beyond finalists. Well, I mean, I, I think maybe the district model for points could be applied to waitlist teams too. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the easy way to do it is don't do it at the uh, that level, but rank <laughs> the waitlist instead of being totally random. Add some criteria, obviously, how long it's been since your last championship. But also, like, you know, the reason that I love 2014 is not championship, is not because of the the result, obviously. But it's oh, that was good too, I guess, right? It was, that was that was a good one. But um, <laughs> but because 2014 had the highest density of high performing robots, because we had a huge number of events that qualified a ton of winners and finalists, and it was only four divisions. So it was like playing in Elims in 2014, you didn't know whether, I mean, the number eight Alliance had so much firepower. It was ridiculous. Oh yeah. And so it was a throwdown. And so when you doubled the number of teams, obviously the field got a little weaker. You split to multiple things. So it's, we're kind of degrading the championship from a robot play. Now, obviously first is more than about robots. uh, But, you know, for people like me who are competitive and we want to play robots, you know, we want to see the best teams out there because that's who we want to play with. You know, play play with the best to try to bring yourself up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, we've treaded dangerously close to two chance, which we promised we wouldn't. Oh, so, <laughs> said the word. Oh, whatever. All right. Which chat is going to explode? Don't worry about like it. it. Yes. Stephanie, we... what's the next question? Quickly, assuage the message. Uh, Put it up on yeah, on the screen. There we go. All right. Your next question is: Is the current elimination tiebreaker format? The best and or fair, fairest option of to deal with tied matches in the elimination rounds. Uh, first off, the first tiebreaker uh, is spelling – is fairest spelled correctly? I can't read it. But anyway. I, think, I don't know. Yeah. It All right. Either way. Fairest, so. That's true. Okay. That's good to me. <laughs> um, so here's the thing about tiebreakers is that it's – isn't it always fair if you know what the tiebreakers are before the match starts? Right, because mm-hmm. well, you know if you know the operating parameters, it doesn't matter what they are as long as you know what they are and you can you they are achievable, right? 
Okay. Right, but the, the first <laughs> is the first tiebreaker is follow points, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. So the basis of that would be whoever played the cleanest match. Mm-hmm. However, I don't think that that's really what it ends up being. I think it's you know in this game it's um, you know whoever didn't accidentally drive over a ball that they see and pop it through to the uh, pop it through the side. Um, I think there's too much random chance in that first tiebreaker for me. I would like to see, you know, I would like to see something that teams can can edge for and hedge their bets on. For so, for example, if it was auto, like auto is the first tiebreaker in in rankings, right? In after qualification rounds, so in auto, then you know you would see teams gunning for to increase their auto. So that A, they would start off the match with a head start, and B, it would be that tiebreaker that they could try and that they could try and edge out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in so at WPI we do a, a we we do our own robotics competition for like Vex robots, like called Savage Soccer. We come up with rules every year, and in the tiebreakers we've used foul points or or fouls or, or or penalty points as the first tiebreaker a few times. But especially in Vex games and games where you can just think a little bit more about the rules in some respects, uh, you can sort of shape the rules to make penalties very rare. You know, I think that having penalties be a first tiebreaker is a good idea if penalties are a rare occurrence and getting a penalty is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think you did mention something that I hadn't really thought of is that having, having penalties, and especially because so many penalties can be easily missed – like having balls behind the wall or uh, some refs will call uh, the possession of two balls differently than other referees do. Some regionals referee crews will call it differently. Perimeter. What is it? Contact mm-hmm. inside the frame perimeter. I think Contact inside the frame perimeter is kind of one of those. I've, yeah. One that, of those that, that never happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no, it's robots never. We got bumpers. Robots, that's not inside the frame we have, perimeter. We have tire tracks on the top of our robot actually right now. <laughs> wow. What a great <laughs> the frame for decorations you guys added. That must be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a DeLorean over the top of our robot. <laughs> it was through time. It wasn't during a match, I yes. swear. <laughs> the practice field's getting rough. Oof. Uh, now, I, I, do, I do see that. I do see that as being a bit of an issue. But all that being said, I think it's – I don't know. I, I, I think it's not optimal, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give – I would give First HQ a pass on this one. Because yeah. you can't, you got, you got to give him a pass on something, right? Well, the the, the real question here is, is if it wasn't tie, if it wasn't that the first tiebreaker, what would be the first tiebreaker, right? right? Is it is it boulders? Okay, well then now they're overranking boulders compared to the defenses, right? And they did a, they tried to even out that score, right? You know, eight balls in the high goal is equal to breach. You know, they tried to do that. So so now is it which defenses you go over? Well, that's based on which ones got put out you by your opponent, and they could be different for. So it's like. It's really the only one that's actually a fair tiebreaker because there's too much variety in everything else. Auto. Over- auto. I mean, I really like the auto yeah. tiebreaker. To be yeah, but if it, but it, but if a team look, a team can go out there and win without an auto, right? Against mm-hmm. a team that can, right? That's that's again putting focus or, or raising up one specific element that you know teams first is great because you can weigh your robot's ability and your design choices however you want, right? That's like saying, well, why don't we just give it to the people who had more hang points? I mean, it's the same. That's actually the exact same argument. 
But you right. know so, from yeah. the beginning, like I, I don't remember if it was right. Francis or Ty that said it, but I know that when we do our brainstorming, we talk about what the first tiebreaker is, and that's something we prioritize in our design. So we, if you know, we just try to figure outset, out. Yeah, we just try to figure out how to win, and then don't worry about the ties. But yeah, you know that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally get it. I, this one doesn't really bother me that much. I'm just I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I think I think to answer the question, you know, both alliances are playing under the same rules so it's not necessarily what is fair and what isn't fair but i think i don't think that the foul points choosing deciding is the best option in my opinion how about this to close it out why don't we go with the steve canab option and just say blue every time the tie goes to blue lines boom throw, uh, throw, throw back to the israel regional from like yeah six years ago flip a coin and be done with it right all right woo, what do we got it's the red alliance all right congratulations oh, it's Here's funny because it happened uh all right we had a quarterfinal match we had quarterfinal three at week one in pnw go to the third tiebreaker which is what i don't even remember boulders <laughs> i don't know damn I like I like the one from the chat that uh, has as Rabbit just said, whichever alliance weighs less. Yeah. Uh, total combined weight. Better weight in the final. Steve finals. Kane just commented in the chat. My stance is simpler. Both lose. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's Steve. All right, I I approve of that. I approve of that. All right, I think we've run this one to the ground. Let's go to our next question here. I think this is probably going to be the final question of no, the evening coming more, on up. One no, one more after this. All right, cool. All right, how common will two ball auto be? By district championships, ooh, I think not right. common at all. Right, I don't think we will. I don't think we'll see a single one in district championships. In world championships, though, that's a whole different story. You don't think anybody in Michigan will have a two-ball auto? Uh, I think we might see. I think we'll see a two-ball auto in the next one to two weeks. Fifty-eight oh threes. That's where. That's where Evan <laughs> totally. is right now. Practicing How you know that we have one auto. sensor on our robot, right? <laughs> yep, it's what? the goal sensor. <laughs> yep. I wish, man. Oh, man. Greg, are you guys working on that sensor, no. Greg? That would be great. Yeah, no. Oh, no we're God. not working on that sensor. We're not working on a two-ball auton. <laughs> I think it'll be great for the teams that have it. I think we will see it. Yeah. I think the Poofs will bring it out. I think that Citrus will bring it out. There'll be some in Michigan. But you know what? It's it's not a high percentage shot either way, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of elite-level teams right now who are shooting at less than 80% of their auton balls. Yeah. Like, so I, I see it as, oh my God, it's going to be awesome if it happens on Einstein. Mm -hmm. Sure. If that, if there's a team out there and it would be the cheesy poofs or somebody like citrus that will do it, if they can get it consistent and working every time, it's a huge advantage in the match. But I, I'm not betting on it. Like, but then again, I also, you know, our 2004, championship was all resting on 254's three ball auton so mm -hmm. <laughs> why not yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's something i was going to bring up is i don't think a two ball auto is as powerful this year as a two ball auto was back in 2014 well yeah um, it's you know it's harder and it's not as powerful is what i'm saying yeah so you're gonna you're gonna have these teams basically i really hope that teams don't sacrifice consistency in their one ball auto to try and get a two-ball auto because very rarely will it be worth it. Yeah, I think there are certain circumstances where you would want to do it, uh, where if you needed the Hail Mary or if it was a close match and mm -hmm. you wanted to have an edge. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think uh, I think I think we'll see it. I don't honestly think we're going to see it 
out of a lot of district championships. I think we're going to see it out of a handful of very skilled teams, mm-hmm. which may or may not be a district championships. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You get what I'm saying? So I don't know. All right, let's go to our final question of the evening coming right up here. Next question is, does the fourth robot play at the championship? Question. How, how strategic is that selection going to be? Ooh. This is a good one. Greg, I think you have something to say on this one. Yeah, I think I have something to say. <laughs> the, the, the asker of this question might give this one away. Yeah, well, hey, five. no, RevGuy? RevGuy2848, Rev I, I wonder who that is. Yeah. <laughs> he really likes motors. But, uh, but uh, you know, so here's, here's the thing. <laughs> the fourth robot, you know, will definitely play. The ability to change up your strategy, like, think about it like this. In the, the third robot and fourth robot, if we say, if we're looking at this right now saying that Auton is going to be big at champs and scaling is going to be big at champs, okay, you have a defensive powerhouse team that either you play or you don't. If you need those extra 10 points for the hang, you know, you put that guy in, you know. I think that there's a, a strategy that we haven't seen so much yet, which is just ball running, where it's the robot that can just, just all that's all they do is just ball run and drop in the corner, ball run and drop in the corner. And it, we're starting to see it a little bit, but that's going to come. So you have like a team with a great, a decent intake that can't really do anything except score in the low goal every once in a while. So I think that there's some really interesting, subtle strategies and people are going to be shooting in the dark at how it plays, right? So I definitely, if, we're lucky enough to be in a picking situation at championship, which is uh, – we would love that, but I don't know if we're that good. Um, you know, I think you try to pick – got to have a hanger in the waiting. you got to have – you know, obviously you pick there's a good auton if you're there, but I think that there's some really interesting dynamics that you can play based on what it is because the truth is, Ty, just like you said, the points don't matter, right? You just have to win, and so you want just enough points to win. You know, you need that extra ball in the 10 – in the tower that now has 10 balls, you need that one robot that can score one in the low goal. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge deal. So the, the question is, uh, do you think that those robots will exist deep into the, th- the third round of drafting at a championship field? Are the fields going to be deep enough to get those robots? I think the answer is Maybe. I think certain. I think that there will be some fields that it doesn't happen at, but I think there's going to be a lot. Most of the fields where you can get that, especially if you're the number one seed, which I think is actually the biggest the biggest gain in this regard is that the one seed gets back to back picks third and fourth, so they can pick both kinds of robots they want and have them be up there in what in the uh, in the ranks they're looking for. Yeah, che- cheesecake hangers. <laughs> um, also, you know, there's somebody in the chat just brought this up. Have they have they announced when you need to declare who's playing in the match versus what defenses are on the field? Uh, wow! Like you pull a, you pull a fourth robot that can do the drawbridge by themselves, and with a special cheesecake or, or special mechanism, that's all they do. And you learn you've got the drawbridge, and then you make the call to put the fourth robot in because they can have that special ability. Somebody just posted uh, something with capital words in it, so it must be the answer. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Alliance captain must report the lineup to the head referee or the designatee writing prior to the end of the preceding match 
and lineups for quarterfinal two before the end of the end of quarterfinal one, which means so the lineups actually get submitted after the defenses. Yeah, you get the true. defenses two matches before. So no. your lineup. No, in a limbs, you submit the matches one match before instead of right. two. Okay, so so it's it's going to be a really interesting. Time. <laughs> it's, it's it's the same time. <laughs> it's a timing game. That's interesting. Uh, uh, well, it's it's actually even worse. It's not just timing. It's it's timing and when the defense coordinator can get the results to you. Right. right. If if teams are smart, so they don't have to wait until then to submit their defenses. If teams are smart and they want their defenses faster, they can put them in as soon as they know. Um, you know, I was defense coordinator at a couple of events this year, uh, so I happen to know a little bit about this. Um, there are a lot of teams, uh, events that I saw, they were saying, you know what, give us the same defenses, same defenses, same defenses, uh, kind of throughout the different rounds of the limbs. And it was definitely very interesting to see. But a lot of these teams are before, in, in quarters, as soon as they're coming off the field, uh, with three matches to go before their next match, they were getting their defenses in uh, for you know their second quarterfinal. As soon as they were coming off from semis, they were getting their defenses in. Um, you know, as long as teams are proactive, they'll. But you know, it, it may very well be a strategy. One alliance is going to wait until the very last second yeah. to get their defenses in. I think I think it's going to be a rare one, but it, there's an interesting thing because you're turning them in at the same time to two different people. Mm. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I, I, I just nobody put the drawbridge out there. Come on, guys. It's, yeah. it's bad for everyone. <laughs> Please, no. No yeah. one wants the drawbridge. Um, and uh, one last interesting point. Um, we've seen a lot of timeouts used. What happens if that fourth pick ends up getting swapped in so you can get extra repair time for one of your top three? That's, yeah. that, that's the point of them, right? Yeah. Theoretically, right, but, yeah. Do we do we tend to see a lot of that, or is there, are they or is that fourth pick potentially going to be made for a robust robot that is maybe a clone of another robot that isn't so, you know? Yeah, I, know. I mean, we've maybe have, maybe that's well, a red hair. I'll I'll say this: 2014, in the second qualification round on Curie, we, my team sat out, and we pl- and we played 74. And there were two reasons for this. One, we had a little repair that we need to make. Two, we didn't want a cold alliance, a cold partner going out on the field if we needed them later in the thing. So we definitely were out of that alliance for that match because we had a repair going on. But it was not worth it in the quarterfinals to take a timeout. So I know that I've done, I've been involved in that situation. Um, but if it's, but who knows? I mean, the time, the timeout. If if the fourth robot is really much weaker than the third, the timeout is probably better than your uh, than than playing your fourth sometimes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. I think and I think that uh, we're definitely going to see a lot more fourth robots than we probably ever have before. Even though there's going to be actually probably not, I, I I think not a lot of cheese kicking going on. Uh, I mean, if you can if you can put a one eighteen hanger on somebody, sweet. Uh, but I think it's going to be harder than 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 it seems. But Definitely gonna be harder than last year. Than can't well, yeah, last year. last year the game was just cut off whatever was on top and put your own thing on. But that's a story for another episode. Um, so I think having done our last question, uh, that's gonna be it for this episode of Game Sense tonight. Another huge thank you to Greg. Greg, thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, we loved having you on. You're been a fabulous guest. You have a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of really great things to say, which uh, was really awesome. 
Well, I, I'm really glad to be here. And, you know, anytime you, uh, if you, you have an empty slot or a last minute fill in, I'm around. Uh-oh. <laughs> get that on, we got that recorded, so watch out. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, everybody, uh, good luck to everybody playing this weekend. Good luck to Apex Robotics. They'll be at the district championship. Also, good luck to Team 190. They're going to be at the, uh, uh, the Montgomery, Montgomery district. district in New Jersey. We're not permanently going there just for now. And uh, is Pine Tree this weekend? Pine Tree is this weekend too, right? Pine yeah. Holy yep. crap. Good night. Good luck to Team 319 <laughs> at Pine Tree. Yeah. Somehow uh, I have to get from Pennsylvania to Maine. I don't, I don't know how that's going to happen. They, they don't check. They don't look for passports. It's okay. So <laughs> with that, and thank you to everybody for watching. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show and hope that you have a great week as well and a great week of first. So uh, for everybody else on GameSense, uh, good luck, and let's talk some robots later on. Bye-bye, everybody. Good night. See ya. Bye.